Welcome. You are listening to Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. We hope today's message helps you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thank you for listening. Father, we want to thank you today for um, this wonderful day that we have to just worship and wonder at you. I pray today, God, that you would uh, touch our hearts. Um, Lord, that you would minister to us in the ways that only you can. Lord, you know that we need to hear in a fresh way the good news of who you are and all you've done for us in Jesus. I pray you would stir our hearts to worship this morning. I pray, God, that you would give us faith to believe you, hope to trust you. You would fill our hearts afresh with the reality of your love for us and your grace toward us in Jesus. Lord, I pray you would do what I cannot and uh, just hide me behind your cross. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, happy Easter, everybody. That was very sad. Happy Easter, everybody. (laughs) All right. Uh, It's great to see you. Uh, He is risen. Yeah, he is risen. Um, It's overwhelming uh, on Easter Sunday. Um, I frequently find myself waking up on Easter Sunday and getting a little teary. The older I get, uh, the more I become like my father-in-law who's sitting right here. Um, he cries quite a lot. And um, he's told me, you know, the older you get, the more you cry. We just, just buried it as a badge of honor. I woke up this morning. It was still dark outside. And I heard birds chirping. And I just began to, I just teared up. I don't know. It just hit me a fresh way. Like, it's Easter. Like, the tomb is empty. He's risen. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 2, the life I live, I live by faith. And the Son of God, who loved me and who gave himself for me. The life that I live, speaking now as Barrett, I live by faith. (laughs) And the Son of God, who loved me and who gave himself for me. And I pray that you have that declaration too, which makes this Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning, all the more special. When we realize that Our God loved us and he came for us and he lived for us that we might have righteousness that none of us have and so desperately need. And he died for us that we might have forgiveness of sins, freedom from condemnation, which is so undeserved because we deserve condemnation because of our sin. And yet he gave himself for us that we might be forgiven and that he took our sins upon him to the point of death death on the cross and he went into the grave where we deserve to be and then on this Sunday morning what we celebrate the truth of the gospel that on the third day Jesus totally affirmed that everything that he said he was he really is and everything that he promised it's all real it's all yes and amen He is faithful to himself and faithful to his word. And truly, when he said on the cross, it is finished, his resurrection proves it is really done. There is sufficient salvation. There's an outpouring of grace. His love for you is real. 
the third day he rose. And there is new life that is possible for all who believe in him. So yeah, Easter Sunday, I get a little teary, okay? And I think we all should because the life we live is a life of faith in the Son of God who loved us and who gave himself for us. As I was hearing Laura read the text this morning from John chapter 20, um, I was thinking about Thursday. Uh, Michelle and I went to Caroline's school. They invited parents to come and watch as the third graders, our daughter Caroline, almost nine years old, is in third grade. They were putting on a play of the Stations of the Cross for the whole school. We got to observe as parents. And Caroline got cast in the role of Mary Magdalene. And we were so happy for it because there's been some things we've just been praying for that that the Easter story would come real to her, that she would sense it in a deeper, more personal way. And, and she got to live in the middle of it during this little play. And I, it was just so cute, y'all. I wish you all could have been there. Uh, it was so cute. She and her friend Daniela, they were Mary and Mary Magdalene. And they, they acted out what Laura just read from John 20. We had seen the third grade Jesus get taken off of the cross and literally they carried him over to the tomb and they put him there. And then uh, Daniela and Caroline as Mary and Mary Magdalene went over to the tomb and they got over to the tomb and they looked inside and Jesus was gone. And they both turned to the audience and they were like, oh, he's not here. And they were wild and there was this wonder that came over them. And they were like, where is he? And of course the angels met them and then Jesus himself. And as soon as Jesus showed up, you know, they get down and they worship Jesus and they hug Jesus. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? And how could it be that now you've been raised from the dead? What wonderful grace. What a wonderful savior is Jesus And then they run across the stage and they go over to the disciples and they tell all about him. Of course, this is all in pantomime with the reader. Somebody else is reading. And they tell all about him. And and it just unfolded there in such a beautiful way. And I thought, you know, no matter if it's the first time you've heard it or if you've heard it for the thousandth time, there is such wonder in the reality of our Savior, Jesus Christ. There's such wonder in a God who would come to serve us and to save us and a God who would complete that work and then rise from the dead triumphantly that all would know, including you today, that he really is God. And he really can save you. He can totally change you. He can make you new. What wonderful grace we celebrate on Easter with Emma the other night in her little tiny bear Bible. I sat there and cried again as I read the Easter story. He died on a cross But on the third day, he rose from the tomb. The stone rolled away. Jesus is living. He's risen. It's true. So now, though we die, we live with him too. Leap and sing and dance, tiny bear. (laughs) Easter is a celebration like no other. Reminds me of Cool in the Gang from the 90s. Anybody alive in the 90s? Celebrate good. Don't leave me hanging. Come on. Come on, let's try it again. Celebrate good time. Come on. There's a party going on right here. Celebration that lasts through the years. So bring your good times and your laughter too. We're going to celebrate this party with you. One more time. Celebrate good time. 
Some of y'all are wondering why you chose ICC this Easter. I promise I'm getting to our text. There is no celebration. The, the celebration of the 90s, the celebration of any wedding or holiday or event that you've ever been to pales in comparison to the celebration of Easter Sunday morning. The celebration of a savior whose name is Jesus. And this celebration that we have is not a celebration of ourselves. In fact, it's not that at all. It is a celebration directed at one who is deserving of all of our thank yous. Every ounce from the bottom of our heart that we could give to say thank you. This celebration is directed at Jesus Christ. It's not a celebration of what we have done. It's a celebration of what he has done. It is not a celebration of our goodness. As Christians, we don't proclaim on Easter Sunday morning, look at us, we're great people. No. In fact, quite the opposite. We proclaim we are broken. We are needy. It's not a celebration on Easter of our goodness. Instead, it's a celebration of his grace. It's not a celebration of our sufficiency. It's a celebration of his salvation. Easter Sunday morning, we don't proclaim that we are perfect in any way. We know we are imperfect. We proclaim that he is perfect in every way. And we know that we know that we know he saves. Only Jesus Christ, only Jesus Christ is worthy of this celebration because in Jesus Christ, Jesus alone brings out of death life. (laughs) Jesus alone allows there to be light again in our lives out of darkness. Jesus Christ alone calls us who are lost to be found. He brings us back home. Jesus Christ alone takes us who are blind and he causes a miracle to happen in our hearts and he gives us sight to see God again, to see things rightly again. Jesus Christ alone takes anyone here all who are here who trust in him out of bondage to sin, to fear, to death itself. And he brings glorious freedom. He brings true freedom. He came that we might be free. Jesus Christ alone turns our fear and he brings into our minds and our hearts and our lives true peace. Jesus Christ alone takes our alienation and changes us to be adopted into his family. And Jesus Christ alone takes all of us who were condemned and gives us an opportunity to be forgiven. Celebrate good time, come on. This is about Jesus. It's a celebration of Jesus. Our text for the day is Romans chapter eight, if you've got your Bible. Romans chapter eight, starting in verse 31. We've been in the study of Romans for the last many months. What a wonderful gift it is to just spend time in God's word. Y'all don't need to hear me preach a cool Easter message. Somebody this morning coming in and said, I can't wait to hear Easter message. I was like, well, I hope you like it because it's just going to be God's word. I don't have much clever to say other than to point you to what God has said and this passage what a fitting passage for us for the day Romans chapter 8 verse 31 is where we start I read from the ESV what then shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died. And more than that, who was raised who is at the right hand of God and who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? For as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Praise God. I want to talk to you for just a few moments today on this topic, triumph in Christ. If you've got something to take notes with, I want to give you this morning five Resurrection Day declarations that are straight from this passage. Five, five things that change completely because Jesus was raised from the dead. Five reasons to wonder at a savior who loved us and gave himself for us, to wonder at a tomb that he was placed in that is now empty. Five resurrection day declarations. And all of them are to answer the question in verse 31, if you look at your Bible, what then shall we say to these things? Paul up to this point in Romans has been pouring out gospel truth about our brokenness and our neediness. How all of us are, are so, uh, such a, a, a needy place for a savior because of the decisions that we have all made, even knowing the truth about God, that our lives were owed to him, that we deserve to be surrendered to him. All of us have decision after decision said no to God and said yes to things that God did not desire. All of us need to be put right, and yet none of us have the ability to put ourselves right. And he pours out this gospel truth of how God has done what we could never do in his love for you and in his grace toward you. He has done in Jesus Christ everything needed to save you. Everything needed to bring you back into relationship with God. God has done it. And that's what we celebrate this Easter Sunday. The reality that God truly has done it. We see it in his life. We see it in the death of Jesus as our substitute for the forgiveness of our sins. And we see it in the resurrection of Jesus, triumphant over the grave, risen that all might know truly he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Truly all of his words are yes and amen. And truly he can make new all who come to him. He lives today and he will come again. What then shall we say? Verse 31. What shall we say to all of these things? What should we make of this? Where does all of this lead? And that's the question of Easter Sunday, is it not? And there's five answers. Paul just 
pours fuel on the fire. He's like, if you hadn't gotten it until now, here you go, all right? And it's this climactic point, the crescendo at the end of all that he's explained to this point. And he says, number one, first thing that we can say is this. He is for us. He is certainly for us. Look at verse 31. If God is for us, then who can be against us? A short summary of the good news of Easter Sunday is that if you trust in Jesus, you can know that you 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 know he is for you. He is for you. He is not against you. Listen, friends, uh, many will oppose you in life. There will be many things that come against us. Jesus says, in this world we'll have trouble. He says, if the world hated me, so also will they hate you. There will be situations, there will be circumstances, there may be even people who oppose you. Maybe Satan himself will try to come against you much like Peter before the crucifixion. But Paul sang here to us that if God is on your side, then none of this opposition really matters. He is for you. The God who is all-powerful, who reigns today in newness of life, he is for you. If he is for you, then who can be against you? You can hang your hat on it, but some might go, wait a second, though, because like, how, how do I know that for sure? Because there's some days it doesn't really, doesn't really feel like he's for me. Some days it feels like there's more opposition against me than him being for me. How, how do I know that in the end? point what you're saying is true well it's a culmination here of all that he said up to this point but if you look at verse 32 you can get another glimpse of it because in verse 32 he says he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things How do I know that God is for me? I'll tell you how I know. Something has happened in space and in time and in history to prove once and for all that he is for us. God gave his only son up for us. If you want to know that God is for you, don't look to your circumstance. Look to his cross. He proves for all time he is for you. Reminds us of Abraham. Genesis chapter 22. Abraham was told with his only son Isaac, take your son, your only son, and take him up to the altar and lay him there as a sacrifice. The point by faith went and did everything until the point that Isaac was laid upon the altar. And at the point right as Isaac could have been killed, God stopped Abraham. He said, wait, no, no, no. Take your son off the altar. I'm going to provide a substitute. 
And he looked, and a ram was caught in a thicket. And Abraham went and took that ram, and he put it in Isaac's place, and that ram died instead of Isaac. All of that was a foreshadow of what would happen when Jesus showed up on the scene. Because as Jesus showed up on the scene, John looked at him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The ram was a foreshadow of the true lamb that was coming. And when Jesus showed up, he was the true lamb. And what did Jesus say? For God so loved the world that he gave his son, his only son. Think back to Genesis 22. we got to hear it. So that whosoever might believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, I have come to put myself on the altar. And in this time, when the knife is raised, there's not going to be a voice to say, hey, wait, there's another substitute because, look, I am the the eternal substitute. I am here to save you from sin, and I will give my life for you. For God so loved the world that he back. How do we know that God is for us? Listen, friends, if he did not hold back his only son, you can know that you know that you know that he loves you. He is for you. None can be against you. And you can also know this, number two, that he, this is the second Easter Sunday declaration, all right? He will graciously provide all of your needs. He will graciously provide for all of your needs. What, what Paul is saying, he's arguing from the greater to the lesser. And what he's saying is, look, if God didn't hold back what was most precious to him, if he gave the most costly thing to give, then you can know that you know that you know as you look at a living Savior and trust him, as you peer into the empty tomb, you can know that if he did that, then he is also guaranteeing that he will do everything needed to be gracious in your life for your good. You can know that you know that you know. Abraham learned that a name of God in Genesis 22 that we see come to the fullness of understanding and meaning in Jesus Christ, Jehovah Jireh, the God who was and who is and who is to come, he is a God who provides. And he not only provides for salvation, but he also provides for every other need in our life. Has anybody ever taken their family to Disney World? Uh, I heard an illustration about this once that, that may help. When you go to Disney World, you pretty much have to take a second mortgage out to afford the trip, all right? Um, It is not cheap. You're talking probably in the thousands of dollars for dream vacation for a lot of families. Well, if you've planned a trip to Disney World and you bought the tickets, you paid all the price, you've got the hotel reservations and everything, you know, you've flown down there. When you pull into Disney World and you see the sign, Magic Kingdom, everything looks very happy until you realize there's a parking booth, right? Right there. And, you, and you're like, wait a second, why are they blocking the road? Like, we have our tickets. And then you pull up and you're like, excuse me, can, what's going on? Sir, it'll be $175 to park your car, you know. Are you kidding me? You're not then at that point, though, going to, I'm sarcastic. It's probably like $50 or something. I'm not sure the number. But you're probably not going to look over at your wife go and go, well, this is it. We're, we're not going to go. We're not going to park the car. This is ridiculous. Let's just go home. Right? That would be silly. That would be absolutely insane that you've gone this far. You paid this much. Of course, you're going to take care of getting into the parking lot. In a silly way, hopefully, that helps you understand. If God himself 
did the bigger thing. If God himself paid the higher cost, of course, when you get to the so-called parking fees of life, you can know that you know that you know he is going to take care of you. There's some of us in the room today who have needs and we wonder, is God for us? And I'm telling you, the resurrection declares he is for you. And some of us wonder today, does he see my need? Does he know what I'm going through? Does he know these deep, deep desires in my heart? Is he able? Is he willing? Is he gracious? Is he good? And I'm telling you today, the cross of Jesus Christ and his triumphant resurrection from the dead guarantees that, number one, you can know if you trust him that he's for you, and number two, that he will graciously provide for all of your needs. The third declaration of Easter Sunday is this, that he has secured our salvation. He has secured our salvation, and, or you could call it our justification, all right? Let's look together at verse 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Justification is a legal word. You can hear the judicial language here in the verse. Somebody bringing a charge is like a judicial term. Paul's point here is not to say that nothing will ever try to prosecute us. We know that Satan is a liar and he is accuser. Some of us feel tormented at times by past memories of sin. Some of us feel tormented at times by recollection, remembrance of shameful things that we have done or we have said or been done to us. We know that other people may come at us and try to accuse us. But what this verse is saying here, what Resurrection Sunday, a living Savior, Jesus Christ, is declaring to you here, is he's saying, for those who he has chosen for himself, who he has loved, who he has redeemed, there is no one that can successfully charge you in a way that brings condemnation on your life before God. Because God is the highest judge. You can't go higher. It's like a supreme court of the heavens, all right? You can't go higher than him. He is the almighty God. And the all-righteous, all-knowing judge of all the earth has put the gavel down. And he has said what we declared in Romans 8, 1, not guilty. And in Romans 5, 1, you are not guilty. You are, because of Jesus Christ, he has made you right before him. Jesus has taken your place. He has given you his righteousness and he has taken from you your shame. And now you can know that you know that you know you are right before him. Some of us need to hear in the midst of our guilt, in the midst of our shame, you need to remember to keep your eyes on Jesus. Because he is the one who justifies you. We need to have Isaiah chapter 50 verses 8 and 9 in our heart. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who is it that will condemn me? 
Shane and Shane wrote a song, gosh, a long time ago. It's called Embracing Accusations. And he talks about in the song how so often in life you hear the voice of the enemy come against us to accuse us, to remind us of all that we've done and, and our unworthiness. And the song essentially, man, over and over basically says he's right. It's right. I am unworthy. I am broken. I am sinful. I, am, I have done these shameful things. But the end of the song, I can't sing it because I would just do it horrible. Um, but it says, but the enemy has forgotten the refrain. In other words, the verses of the song were all right about my unworthiness, about my sinfulness, my shame. But the enemy's not singing the refrain, the chorus of the song. And the chorus of the song is this, Jesus saves. Some of us are listening to the verses, but we've forgotten the chorus. And the empty tomb reminds us, your God saves. Amen? Number four, the fourth declaration of Easter Sunday is that he will never condemn us. He will never condemn us. In fact, now he actually intercedes for us. Let's look at it in the scripture. Verse 34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Some of us wonder, you know, I'm, I'm right with God today, but what about tomorrow? And what about that? What, what if something happens to me, whether it's a, a disease or, or death itself? Like, I, how will I know that I know that I'll be right with God forever. And God invites you to look at the face of Jesus Christ. Look at his work for you. Look at the empty tomb. Look at his triumph over sin, Satan, and death itself. Look at the fact that he lives today and is at the right hand of the Father. First Peter in Ephesians says, all things are put under his feet. He is the Lord of lords, King of kings. And Philippians 2 says, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he alone is the Lord. And this one, this one has finished a work. In other words, the judgment day over your life has moved from the future to the past. He took the fullness of judgment that you deserved and by his resurrection from the dead, he guarantees that now as you trust in him and into the future forever, you will forever be in a status of not condemned. The work is finished. His grace is poured out. And even now, if you, if you ever wonder the grace of God, even now, he intercedes for you. It says here in verse 34, The work is finished. Follow. Now he's praying for us. Robert McShane, who wrote the Bible plan that I follow for years and years, read through the Bible in your plan. He is quoted about this verse as saying, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet, distance makes no difference. For he is praying for me. On this resurrection day, I want to proclaim to you that what we're 
celebrating. It's not just a historical event of Jesus rising from the grave, but we are proclaiming a Savior who is still alive today. It's not just that he was alive that day, but he's also still alive today. And he will be alive for forever tomorrows. He reigns in heaven right now. He lives. He lives. He lives. And at this moment, all things are under him. And he prays for you. And there is coming a day that he will come again for you. And on this resurrection day, you can know that if you trust in Jesus, that you will never, ever be condemned. Aren't you grateful? Last one, East, and I close. The fifth declaration on this resurrection day is that he will forever love us. In fact, nothing can separate us from his love. Verse 35, the question comes, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? This question comes last because honestly, you guys, it is the summation of all the other questions. Like at the end of the day, like he's been talking about the work that Jesus has done on our behalf up to this point. But at this point, he's talking about how Jesus feels about us, about the relationship that he has with us. And he's asking the question. It's a central question of the Christian life, one that prompts, I think, almost all of our other doubts and all of our other worries and all of our other fears and tensions, and it's this. Is there anything that could separate me from the love of God? Is there anyone that could, could come between us? How does he feel about me? And how, what is our relationship? And how can I know how this relationship will be into the future? And Paul lays out for us what we know as real people, we're real humans here today, all right? We know that life is not always easy, is it? We know that we go through some stuff. We get diagnoses. We face death. We deal in brokenness. Fear is real. Trouble around us. People coming against us. Relationships broken. Situations that just leave us dismayed. And he begins asking, shall tribulation? And we're going, yeah, I feel you. I've been there. Shall distress or, or persecution or famine when you just feel like everything is dried up and there's nothing left? Or nakedness, extreme loss, or danger where you feel pressed in on every side, or the sword even longer, a risk of death. As it is written, for your sake we're being killed all the day long, we're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. In other words, this is not a new experience for the people of God. And these questions are not new. But I got good news for you today. 
Good news on this resurrection day is that if you look at the person of Jesus Christ, if you look in his face, if you allow him to make eye contact with you, if you allow him to show you his love for you on the cross of Jesus Christ, no greater love, he said, would you ever know than one who would lay down his life for you? If you look at him taking your place in the grave and you look on Easter Sunday, peer into the tomb and see that it is empty, see that he's alive today, the answer in the middle of the stuff, the difficulties, the brokenness, the hardships, the wordless moments of life is this. Verse 37, no. Even in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else that you could ever go through, friends, in all of creation will ever, ever, ever be our separate you from the love of God for you in Jesus Christ, our Lord. He loves you. 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 Look at his life and his death and his resurrection from the grave and look at his promise that he will come again. And I'm telling you, no matter what you go through on this Easter Sunday, I declare to you, you can know that he will forever love those who come to him. Praise God. So the life I live, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Every Easter Sunday and the days and weeks following, we'll get calls. Some people will come to the office and tell us, you know, I came to church on Easter and I was just there because that's like what I was supposed to do. <laughs> but something happened in my heart. It was really weird. <laughs> something happened in my heart that day. Like God made me new. Every, week, every year we hear stories. And I'm believing that there are some of you here today who know an Easter tradition, but you don't know a living Savior. And I don't want you to leave here today until you yield your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Listen. Easter is not about a church service. It's not about bagels and donuts, photo booths, sports jackets, which I never really wear. Easter is about a declaration that there is a way to be right with God now and forever. By his love for you and his work on your behalf, there is a way in Jesus Christ for you to be saved and made new. <laughs> but that requires a response. I could have a million dollars in my hand right now. And you could believe that it's really in my hand. But if you're in a place of need, what you gotta do is actually come up and receive it. Today, Jesus Christ is declaring to you a finished work of salvation that is available by his grace. It's available in his hand. But the response is that you've got to turn from self and sin and turn toward Christ and receive him. Bowing your knee, your heart and your life, you've got to receive him. But I'm telling you today that for some of you, today is a day of salvation. You've been through an Easter tradition, but now he's inviting you to something much greater, a relationship with the one who loves you. And I pray today that you'll open your heart to him.
For others, as we sing this closing song, I, I just believe it's a day of renewal of the joy of salvation. And you can pray that uh, as we uh, want to close today, that God would just, God, would you just renew me? Would you just fill me with hope again? And I just want to leave you with this verse from Romans 15, 13 that we've been proclaiming over the last months. And it's this, now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace and believing that by the power of his Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Thanks again for listening to this Bible teaching from Island Community Church. We want to encourage you to join us for worship in person soon. No podcast can replace God's good design of gathering with other believers in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church, visit us at iccmemphis.com. We offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.